Hello, I'm Mariette Sneijman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is why your circumstances needn't hold you back. My guest is Ruxana Moden, Business Executive Leadership Mindset Coach, Master NLP Coach and Serial Entrepreneur from Alberton. Welcome, Ruxana. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I truly am excited to be with you. To our listeners, after our conversation, Ruxana will give us her best tips on how to let go of limiting beliefs. And then it will be fun question time. Ruxana, you're a living example of someone who did not allow her circumstances to hold her back. I'm very excited to talk to you about this. And I'd like us to investigate this topic both in terms of how it applies to our careers and how it applies to our personal lives. But first, let's look at your story. You are a successful serial entrepreneur who started out with no money. Yes, I think my journey on on my life started more about my belief system. You know, I come from a very humble, poor home, but my parents gave me good education. They gave me love. I always had a warm plate of food. I, I didn't lack. But when I came to the age of 16, my parents divorced. And I think normally as it is, children fall through the cracks. And I was one of those that fell through the system. And I lived with an outsider. I'm truly grateful she took me in. I always say that my circumstances could have been worse. I could have been on the street, you know. I could have been facing a harsher life. But a pure soul came into my life, took me in, said to me that I can offer you a plate of food, and that's all I can. I was quite determined that I wanted to make something of myself, but I knew it was going to be very difficult for me to start a life without my education. So I got a part-time job, and I used to work from three right up until seven at night. And I finished my matric, and then I did a college course as well, which was those years in Kelly Green Oaks, a very prestigious school for secretaries. And I did that one-year course as well, but at the same time doing a part-time work from three until seven. And I think at no given stage did I sit down. Yes, if you ask me, did I ever cry? Yes, I did. Did I miss the family life, the bonding, the laughter, the holidays, the being together with my family? Yes, I did. But I was so determined to fix me and to take myself out of that rut that I didn't sit too long and wallow in self-pity. I didn't want to do the tears. And yes, those tears would come now and then. But I was so determined. I'd wake up in the morning knowing that I didn't have lunch money. And when I'd go to college, all the girls would be eating their food. I'd wait until they leave the plates. And I'd go and I'd pick off whatever they've eaten. I think one of the girls, she was um, so clued up that I was eating their old food. She would ash her ash of a cigarette into that plate. But the waitress never picked up any of the plates. She'd always leave those plates there knowing that I was going to eat up that little scraps. Because I literally got a plate of food nighttime from the person that took me in. And I was so scared to ever ask her for more. I was like a thin little skinny scrap of a human being. But I was so truly grateful just for the warm bed, for the safety and security that somebody took me in without a want. There was never something that she needed. The little money that I earned, I would always contribute to bringing in fresh vegetables or sometimes just bringing something nice for her. But there was never an expectation from her to give me anything back. And to this day, she's alive. She's such an amazing human being. I'm truly grateful for those angels that God have put into my life that enhanced me, protected me, picked me up when I fell down. And when I started, I was a receptionist. My first job... um, After I finished studying, um, I started as a receptionist in Liberty Life. And within three months, I was so determined to show how good I am at my job that I was appointed as an executive secretary to two of the executive consultants. And I worked there for five months. I was doing everything for them, booking their clients, taking care of their office, managing their business, only to find that one of the partners there, he was very touchy-feely on me. And I came home, and by this time my mom was legally divorced. Um, She had a place to stay. I went and contributed and took care of her and my baby sister. I came home one day and I was a bit sad. My mom said, what's wrong? What's upsetting you? And I said to her that 
You know, I just don't feel good when my boss touches the back of my neck, he touches my shoulder. My mom said, you know what? You never compromise who you are for that paycheck. We would rather sleep hungry than you be discomforted by whatever's happening. Leave. The next morning I went in. I wrote out my resignation letter. The other partner was so sad to see me go. He said I was doing an amazing job and I, I didn't want to tarnish into somebody else's name. I knew it would cause a huge problem because he was a married uh, man and being an executive of the company, I knew this was going to come back to bite me and not him. Being a female in the industry, I knew that there was going to be no blame on him. And this started making me stronger. I worked at um, Mnet. I was uh, working as a marketing assistant and my manager passed away in the interim. She was a very beautiful um, young lady, Mari, and she had cancer. When she passed away, it was very difficult for them to replace her immediately. So they asked me to fill in. So I was very young and I was uh, acting in her position, which she was a managing director for marketing at that time. It was huge projects that I did. And I started learning to trust who I am, believing in myself knowing that I can get through whatever I want to put my mind to. I left there because I was married and I had a child and my husband was very possessive at that particular time that I was like seen in this limelight, always going for functions, always going for launches of super sport and those years, Igoli. So when I spoke to my mom, she said, you know what, as a woman, firstly being an Indian woman, it was my first duty to my family, to my home, to make my home work. So I left, I walked out of that job, which was quite a prestigious job with a very good pay and the perks were so amazing. But I walked out of it to go make my marriage work. And then I joined the mining industry, which is very difficult again, male industry. Um, but I forged my way through and there I became one of their trainers in soft skills. I started managing their bursary scheme system. And when the company restructured, we were coming out of apartheid times. Um, one of my projects was to help restructure our IT department, our cleaning department, the computer, those kind of things, and the, and the food catering. And what we did, the project was so amazing, it was I initiated to set up the company, take all those workers that should have been retrenched and make them board members, and then give them the contract for three years to be our cleaner or our security guard. And doing that process, it like activated this thing in my mind to say, if I can help others open their businesses and do their compliance, do all their paperwork, make sure that they understand how the workings are going to happen, I can do this for myself. And I started thinking about what business will I, will I be good for? And I was reading the newspaper one Sunday afternoon, and I was a person that loved to go through the Sunday Times. I'd read from the first page to the last. And there was this little advert saying petroleum station for sale. And this piqued my interest. I was like, I phoned the broker, I made an appointment, I went out and saw the site, and I was excited. And he said, it doesn't work that way. You first got to get approved by the oil company. I was like, oh, okay, it's not like that I just seen it, I want it. No, no, you've got to go and you've got to make sure that you are approved. So I went for the interview and being female again, there were 15 people on the panel introducing me. And it was more of a mockery, a laughing show. They asked me if I have the money. I said, no. They asked me, do I have, have I ever run a petrol station? I said, no. They asked me, did I ever work on a petrol station? I said, no. They asked me, does my family have any money? I said, no, I don't have it in my family. And they were like, so what are you doing here? Don't embarrass yourself, you know, leave. And I was like, what do you have to lose? The site that is for sale is earmarked for closure. It's not managed being managed properly. It's not pumping petrol. It doesn't have a shop. There's no hope for that petrol station. What do you have to lose to keep it alive for one more year and give me the opportunity? And they asked me to sit outside for a few minutes, deliberated. When I got back in, they were like, okay, Madam Big Mouth. <laughs> you say you want a year. Okay. But you do know you have to pay for the site, whether it's going to work or not. I was like, yes, sure, I do. So I firstly had to go through a training course. And for men, they were giving the course, I think those years for four to six weeks. And being female, they put me through more tougher, rigorous training. All of a sudden, they were adding on more things. I had to work on site. I had to work on night duty. Now, none of the men that I trained with went on night duty. They were shocked that I did night duty. 
Um, I was cleaning toilets, I was cashing, I was uh, merchandiser packing in goods, I was baking, but I was determined. And the better part of it is I was highly pregnant. The smell of petrol used to kill me. And we took it from there. Um, the day I'm supposed to take over my site, my loan was already into place, only to find out the funding company pulled out of South Africa and they dropped me on that morning and my, my funding was gone. And BP called me back in and said, look, we know you're about to take over your site today, but unfortunately your funding is no longer in place. And I said to them, not a problem, we'll chat tomorrow morning. I had no plan. I knocked on four of the banks, the major ones. And at the time I had a small little savings account with FNB, I walked in. I said to them, I'm about to buy a petrol station. I've approached EBSA, they haven't given me an answer as yet. I've approached NetBank and Standard Bank. I'm approaching you, but I'm not gonna walk out of the office. I want a yes or no now, because tomorrow morning I've got to take that site. And again, I, an angel just beamed up into that office because it was so truly amazing, the gentleman that was there. And he said to me, do you have anything for surety? None of the other banks asked me that. And I said, I have a home. It doesn't have a bond, um, debt free. And he said, we're not allowed to, but this time I'm gonna make a recommendation that we use that as surety. It has not the same value of your loan that you wanted. I wanted a three million loan. My house was only worth 200,000 those years but he wanted to show that I have good faith to leave something. And I'm truly grateful for that because the next morning I took over my site. I had money to buy petrol. Um, it was amazing because I needed stock money, I needed to purchase money, and I also needed equipment money. And everything fell into place. And my loan was meant to be repaid within a five-year period, but I was really, really strict on myself. And I never forget the stories I used to tell the entrepreneurs when I was helping them open up their own businesses that don't give your salary to yourself first. Pay your debt off first. If you have to take 10,000 a month for your home operating expenses, downsize definitely to 7,000. Cut out whatever you don't need, all the luxuries, cut it all out. Don't go and buy new homes, don't go buy new cars, and that's what I did. I drove my small little bucky, it was literally falling to pieces, and I'd buy my stock with it, and I made sure I honor my debt, because I was really scared that it was a huge amount. I paid it up in two and a half years, and this made everybody stand up. BP, my colleagues, banks, I was uh, all of a sudden Standard Bank offered me a huge, amazing rate, and Ned Bank, but I was happy and loyal, and to this day I'm still loyal to FNB because of that. And the best part about it was that it never happened once. So, you know, a lot of people, I had naysayers those years and always said it's a fluke, you know. It was luck, you just had a lucky streak. And we had one of the fuel owners, he got a heart attack. He didn't have anybody to manage the site. And the site was actually being mismanaged and it was actually going down. BP contacted me and I'll tell you the words they use on me. Actually, I laughed today. They said, Madam Big Mouth, um, you've done it once before. We actually want to see if you still got what it takes. Would you like the site? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I do. I didn't know where I was going to get the funding from. This was a bigger site, pumping more petrol. This was a huge wild bean, which I never had a wild bean. And I had to go on a course urgently, learning how to bake muffins and croissants and learning how to make hot dogs and the proper coffees and stuff like that. And I'm so again, like I said to you, so many people opened their doors for me. There was one of the BPs, um, I can't remember the site's name at the moment, it was going on your way to Randburg, those big BPs on the sides. And they took me in and they said, our kitchens are all yours, you can do your training here, Bas. Which was super amazing because Sometimes you do get backlash and nobody wants to open their doors for you. But this gentleman, he was so amazing. And every day I'd make sure I pack boxes for him of goodies to take home, all my sampling. So yeah, um, and I must say on my journey, there were many people that were there to help me. But throughout all of this time, just to let you know, so you can understand, it wasn't like a happy moment because I was married to the most narcissistic, cruelest person. So I was managing my two children, growing them up, making sure that they're eating healthy, making sure that they were doing their homework on time, attending all these school functions, seeing to my husband, being an Indian woman, making sure that he's eating healthy, making sure that I'm being the mother of the house, the wife of the house, but at the same time managing my businesses. I started investing in properties and I started growing a portfolio because I really love doing that. And then more and more people started seeking me out to say, can you help me start my business? Can you help me do my compliance? Can you do my licensing for me? And I started loving that part as well. 
And then I came on that I wanted to start sharing because I was training on site where I was taking in guys off the street. I did a program, a rehabilitation program those years. I was in Brackpen and then I went into Bonaro Park. I was taking people off the streets and I wanted to show them that, yes, we can train. Anybody can be trained and multi-trained. So pump attendants, I started teaching them how to be cashiers, merchandisers and supervisors. And then I started taking people off the streets at my cost and started training them and then sending them out into the workforce. And um, the, one of the seaters recognized it and they started a program called Kijima and they endorsed me to start doing their training for them on fuel sites, which I really loved. And I felt very important. I felt so empowered because I knew I was making a difference in the industry. And then eight years ago, I woke up one morning and I decided I didn't want to be somebody else's punching bag. I didn't want to be verbally abused. I didn't want to be torn down while I showed the whole world a brave face and I showed my staff, I had 65 staff those years, like this amazing facade that I put on, that I was a strong, powerful businesswoman. Yet when I went home, I was totally being broken down as a human being. And I decided for my safety, for my children's safety, I walked over for my entire fortune, leaving my fortune behind. And I took my kids and I always believed, you know, I, I tell you, the mind is an amazing thing. I always believed that I was the golden goose. And I just believed that leaving that golden egg behind was nothing because I could make it again. And yes, true to being who I am, I started out again. It was difficult. My being a mom, single mom, wasn't being easy on me. And it was more difficult taking my children for tuition and seeing to them and seeing to the house and working. And then I started traveling because most of the times my coaching was taking me overseas and into global countries. But then I found my balance. I found what would make me easier. I started making my boys independent. I gave them the trust and the love that I knew that they would do right decisions as the young men that they were. And I went out and I did my traveling. A lot of my traveling was for love and just for learning about different countries and different cultures. And most of it was also to go and do some work. So I always balanced it. And coming to where I am today, you know, the one thing that I look back on and ask myself, if I had to change anything, was there something that I did wrong or how could I have done anything better? I think everything was just scripted for what it was. I would never want to change the partner I had because he was a mean, nasty, dark, miserable person that never found anything of joy in life. No matter how full his glass was, no matter how much of money we earned, no matter how much of prestige and awards we got, it was never going to be enough. And I'm truly grateful I had him because I'd it made me appreciate what I have. It made me understand the light that started coming back into my life. It made me appreciate the laughter when I wake up in the morning, the joy that I feel with the quiet and the peace and just listening to the birds singing. It's my joy. So I find joy in everything, just smelling a rose, looking at something beautiful. I just find joy looking at the sky. And if I never had the bad, I'd say bad, sad, uh, miserable times, I wouldn't appreciate what I have now. I wouldn't appreciate that constant, um, I have won many accolades. And I think the one thing that I've seeked in my life from my partner was always validation. I wanted him to say I'm a good mom. I wanted him to say I'm a good wife because I'd always be entertaining and making sure that I took care of his family, made sure I took care of him because he wasn't a, a well person, he was quite sickly. But I'd do everything for him. And all I seeked was validation. I think this is the most dangerous thing for women or men. And I find a lot of men are being abused and I find they keep, I keep attracting these kind of men to coach them into my life so that I can heal them. I never thought men could be abused, but today coming through my life, I understand that having all that darkness and having all that misery, it, there's actually a joy that comes from knowing that I could walk away from everything. I don't regret walking away from my wealth. I don't regret walking away from the luxuries that I had. I don't regret walking away from having four cars. I'm so truly grateful for just being the essence of just living, of taking off my shoes and walking barefoot on the grass. The mindset that I had was always that I'm a winner. The mindset was always that I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. The mindset was always that I can get through this. You know, this too shall pass. I tell myself every single morning, you know what, tomorrow's going to be the best day. 
Today you're crying, tomorrow you're gonna be laughing. Don't stress. I'd wake up in the morning so excited, I'd put music on and I'd start dancing just to make myself happy. Because I didn't want to be miserable. I didn't want to wake up and be sad and feel sorry for myself. I was free and I asked myself, what do you have to cry about now? What do you have to be miserable about? There's so much to celebrate. So I wake up every single morning. And my mindset is if I make a difference in the lives of one person, just one, I have accomplished my deed. I live just for the joys and the peace and the laughter. I find ways to make myself laugh every day. My friends think that I'm a comedian and they always say to me, I'm such an idiot, which I love because if you can't make somebody laugh, if you can't make somebody feel joyful, if you can't make them feel happy, then what's the purpose of having someone in your life? If you're gonna bring misery, then just, you know, you're not doing a good job on this planet. You know, rethink all those things. So for me, I, I thank God. I think the universe for who I am, for the mindset that I have, that made me from a young girl always look at my cup was always half full. I never looked at it that it was half empty. The little bit that I got, I was always grateful for. The little, I have a friend and, and I'd love to share this with you because she's very smart and she's very elegant and she dresses decadently. She cooks her house perfect. And whenever she goes shopping or something, she'd take out something and she'd always say, I feel so bad to give you these clothing and we share. And I said to her, you know what? I could never choose what you can. I don't even know how to buy these kind of things. I truly love however you dress me. And she said to me the other day, she said, you know, I'm waiting for you to start being jealous. I said, I am looking for that manual to learn. I don't have that in me. I don't have jealousy. I get so happy for my friends that have flourished in life, that have become so successful. I have clients of mine. The other day, one of my clients, he asked me, does it not bother you how much of money you make for us? Does it not affect you? And I said, you know, I celebrate in your joys. I celebrate knowing that I'm your coach, that midnight when something doesn't go well for you, you wake up and you think about me. I feel so honored that you would pick up the phone at two in the morning and say, I'm really sorry to disturb you, but this is what's going on in our factory. How can we fix it? Or this is what's going on in the business and I need to find another avenue of growing it. Come and help me. I've been spoiled by my clients. I mean, I've just come back from a seven-day paid holiday. My client asked me to help him with a project. It went through and it, he superseded what he planned. Um, and I mean, he was so amazing and he had a lot of fears. And I was there to handhold. And when he sent this gift, first he sent a driver with this whole basket full of chocolates and it was every kind of chocolate and Toblerone and it was all these pamper things, you know, these face scrubs and a whole lot of goodies. And I sent a message and I said, you don't need to do this. You do know you're paying me. He says, yes, I do. But this is just something extra because of what you do for me. You always go the extra mile. And the next day I received this voucher and I was like, oh my God. I said, did you make a mistake? He's like, no, I really want you to take time out. I want you, my family's going away on holiday. I want you and your boy to go on a nice outing. So I get joy in doing whatever I do. And I feel that the universe celebrates with me. It just rewards me over and over and over. Whether it's I eat something nice, it's just I drink a nice juice. It makes me happy. And I think we as human beings need to just be very, very careful about our mindset. Yeah. Yeah, you take us on a whole journey. <laughs> so what I've heard is, is your amazing story, the facts, the circumstances. But what I hear, what is more important, what you've now mentioned, is the mindset. And I would like us today to come to the topic of limiting beliefs. So my first question is going to be, what are they? Limiting beliefs come from womb. From the womb where either our moms didn't want us, the fear factor of maybe she didn't plan us or maybe she's scared, she doesn't know if she's going to be a good, in, good mom. And from womb, we already get limiting beliefs. They're embedded in us. As our moms think, we think. And I think when we're being born, with mine, I'll tell you a limiting belief for myself, um, it could be a star, it could be the better part of what has happened in my life. My parents expected a boy. So when I was born, my mom just delivered me herself and she put me in a small little shoebox and she put me in a corner of the room. She was so disappointed that she had a girl. And in Indian culture, having girls was not supposed to be the norm. They needed a son to carry the name. So my mom gave my dad the first child was a girl. And she obviously in her mindset said, 
okay, I'm going to give you a boy next time. And there was me being born and she was not too happy. So immediately those were limiting beliefs in me that I wasn't her choice. I wasn't good enough for her. I wasn't what she wanted. And those are limiting beliefs that you put into your children. I didn't stop there. Um, limiting beliefs went on where my mom dressed me like a boy. So I had short hair. My sisters all had long hair. And I dressed in blue clothing. When I looked at my baby pictures and I looked at my birthday parties, I was like, how come have I got a powder blue suit on? Why am I and like, no, you were a tomboy. And I was like, huh? How's that possible? When you're so little, I didn't have a choice for my clothing. But it was always turned around to say it was my choice factor. I was so little. I could never have even known pink from blue or from green from orange, right? And then my sisters were very homely, cooking kind of girls and baking. They're masters at baking, cooking, homekeeping. And then I was always like going fishing with my dad. And I went to watch wrestling. I played soccer for my school. My sisters wore a uniform for school, a, a skirt, a shirt and a jacket. I wore a gray trouser, white shirt with a tie and a blazer. So I looked like a boy. But the only thing that would define me was I had long hair that went right past my knees. So it was a huge, long, thick plait. And those were limiting beliefs that were put within myself. But like I said to you, you know, you can decide when you're younger, are you going to use those limiting beliefs? I'm, I'm grateful that I have powerful people in my life. But limiting beliefs can hold you back. Limiting beliefs is when people tell you you're not academic enough. You're not strong enough. You're a woman. That's not your place. And I think part of me now, when I was little, I was angry because I find that my marriage maybe didn't work out because of my strengths of who I am. I've always had to make myself less for my husband to feel more. But now I understand that I not have that upbringing, I wouldn't have never been able to cope in the environments that I was in. I would have never been strong enough. I would have never been able to overcome the, the stresses that I've had in male environments. So yes, limiting beliefs can have its good and it can also have its bad. Uh, my son, when he was in school, he was in primary school. So he failed one year and then going on to the next year, this principal said to me, this is a private school. You're going to have to send your child for a test and you've got to take him for this test. And I was like, but I don't see the need. And it's like, we are now instructing you. You have to take him for the test. So I took him for some tests and they said, look, he needs a special needs score. So I was like, are you serious? And they're like, yeah. So I said, look, I paid you for the full year. I don't want a refund. He's not difficult in the class. He's not disruptive. You keep him in school. He's got another seven more months in your school. End of the year, I'll decide what I want. And the person that I am, I don't give up easily. I went and I did some research and I went and I found a program which was integrated learning therapy. And I did the course. I went and I found one of the coaches that does it and she showed me and enhanced me. And I started doing these things with my children. So firstly, let me tell you, I never knew that a child should crawl. I was never thought that as a mom. I was never told that don't put your child in a walker. I thought that I was empowering him to walk quicker until somebody advised me when I did the integrated learning therapy course that when your child actually learns to crawl, he actually activates his right and his left lobe. So this made my child less so he could read his P's, his Q's, his B's, his D's. And you should know that that immediately would put him as dyslexic. So I went on to this program. I learned how to do all these things. I had a whole list of things to go and buy. It was so difficult to find. I needed to get a little sippy straw for him. I needed to get a little ball that had little nobules on it. I had to get a rubber for him. And I started the program. And in the end of the year, the principal called me in and said, I don't know what you've done, Roxana, but your child came out first in the entire grade. So I said to him, thank you so much, sir. I said, I'm very disappointed that you asked me to take him out, but you actually helped me. And I'm grateful for the time that you allowed him to be in the school so that I could test the program. And I started helping the schools with integrated learning therapy, how to enhance children, um, how to know that a teacher's perfume can be activating the child because smell, sound, visual can affect a child's peripheral ways of learning. So it, not everybody is visual. Some people can write on a board and they'll learn. Other children are audio. So they can only listen to what you're saying. And if you're not speaking properly and you're turning your face away from the class onto the board... So I started teaching teachers how to use this program so that they could be better teachers. 
to our children and many children changed and I heard a lot of beautiful powerful stories about it and I think you know over the years when I when I come through limiting beliefs when people say what is a limiting belief is there something true the only way to explain a limiting belief is through my own journey of how did I use it uh, I'll give you another example this one is close to my heart it actually touches me Eight years ago, I was told to go to a doctor. The doctor said to me, did some tests, and he said, look, you need to urgently, we need to urgently hysterectomy, remove your womb, we need to remove your breast. Um, you have the, the markers of cancer. And I went home and I was like, that's nonsense. I feel amazing. I don't need a doctor to give me a label or take anything out of me. I changed my methods of eating. I went on to a transformational mindset course. I let go of all my limiting beliefs. I let go of all the traumas within my DNA cells. And lo and behold, I mean, I'm still to this date. I'm 51 and I have my womb, I have my breast. And I can say I'm truly grateful for the journey that I have that I believe within myself. And limiting beliefs can hold you back to such an extent um, I was at this place and somebody said to me, do I believe in a placebo effect? Yes, definitely I do. Yes, I do. My son was told that uh, he needed to have urgent brain surgery. He's 32 today. He needed urgent brain surgery. He needed urgent heart surgery. He's got a heart defect. He's got brain bleeds. And that was seven years ago. When I said to him, my child, what do you want to do? We're sitting in Donald Gordon. I said to him, what do you want to do? Do you want to do this? And he said, mom, what did you do when the doctor said, let us remove all your stuff? What did you say? You said, you'll heal yourself energetically. I want the same. My boy hasn't had heart surgery. My boy hasn't had brain surgery. And he's in a good space. So I think we need to stop limiting ourselves. We need to stop telling ourselves that somebody gave me a title that I'm obese. Somebody gave me a title. You get 32-year-olds falling today down from heart attacks in a gym that are eating well, never ate bread, never ate carbs, and they're falling down and they're dying. And you get a woman that is a size 44, she can outrun you and me, she can work the whole day, she eats all junk. And so I'm not saying go and live a bad life. What I'm saying is, if you believe in yourself, if you don't let people put you with the label that you're academic, oh no, you're only for business, oh no, you're not meant for this person, we are malleable. We can change. Don't hold yourself backwards saying, I only like red. Experiment. That's what life is all about. Throw yourself out of the box. Every single day, challenge yourself. Limiting beliefs is something that you have accepted within yourself. Somebody's told you you're too fat. Somebody told you that wrinkles is not the thing to have. Somebody told you that you're too short. So now you don't like yourself anymore. So they've made you hate something that is unique. Who said short people are not cute? Who said that fat women are not sexy? I mean, I hear the saying all the time, fat women have all the fun because they don't really give a damn. They're having so much of fun. And then you have some women that didn't even, they only eat a carrot for the day and they're not happy. It's about your happiness. It's about your peace. So for me, limiting beliefs is things that just hold you back. Some women panic when they look at bread like, ah, I eat the bread. I eat pure butter. I'm overweight. But you know what? I'll get to it step by step daily i make good choices and then i go off the beat and i do something mischief and then i am like ah i'll get back again i'll try again the next day i juice every day and that's a good thing right and then at night i'm like oh i feel for a piece of bread i've got to have it with pure butter and that's what i do because i'm gonna have to balance my life so i don't want somebody to tell me that i'm obese and then that puts a limiting belief on me that there's nothing good in this world for me no if i am overweight and it's health, it's impacting on my health, I'm gonna look at a way of life to better me. If somebody tells you you have your diabetes, that's a limiting belief, right? But then you can say to yourself, what am I gonna do about it? Am I gonna conquer this? Or am I gonna let it hold me back and make me cry about it all day? You can make small life changes. You can say to yourself that I'll start juicing in the morning, I'll have a salad for lunchtime, and nighttime I'll go all out and I'll just be mischief. So you can start on a better way of life, a better way of thinking. And for me, that's the best way I can describe limiting beliefs. Yes, it, it struck me that you talked about getting more information and, well, sort of changing your mind, if I could put it like that. And you talked about deciding that you would heal yourself. And you have talked about energy healing. So would you like to... Tell us a little bit about energy healing because I think 
if people hear that you get a certain um, diagnosis from a doctor, going in, in a different way doesn't mean just ignoring everything and you know just shutting down and deciding it's not happening. It means looking for other pathways that perhaps suit you better. I think you know energy healing is throughout the world it's recognized you know I'm not saying that uh, western medication is not good I'm not saying that doctors are not good we need both uh, and I'll, I'll share a very good example when I was doing some training in uh, London Birmingham I really like to get to know what works best for people I like to do their best practices and when I was there I met a few ladies that we were having some tea with and all of them were actually Reiki healers and I asked them, do you really see the need for Reiki? Do, are people receptive? And she said, Roxana, in our country, Reiki is actually, you can be paid through medical aid. When patients are on chemotherapy, they actually appoint a Reiki person as well. So when I got back, I contacted a few of my friends and my colleagues and I said, listen, if you know of a cancer patient, I want to test this energy stuff. I want to see... Do, are they more responsive? And they gave me a patient that was on stage four cancer. She was really battling. Um, she already had written out her, what she wants for her funeral. She was ready that I'm accepting I'm going to die. And she was taking her chemo very bad. I contacted her husband. I said to him, listen, this is what I'm doing. Could I do it for you? I'll do it for free. He said, yes. Would I mind paying you? I said, no, no. I, I'm experimenting. Can I do this for free? He said, yes. So every time she'd do her Reiki, he'd bring, I mean, she'd do her chemo, he'd bring her straight away to my offices and I have a little uh, room, a healing room, and I put on a crystal bed for her and I did all the energy healing. And her doctor phoned me and said, could I be present in whatever you're doing? Because I'm going to see what you're doing. Because after the second time she came, second, I'm not talking about how quick it was, and the second time she came, her symptoms have, she's responded better to the chemotherapy and her symptoms afterwards, the throwing up, the running tummy has actually halved itself. So we see a huge impact on her. So definitely I know, firstly for myself and um, my family got a history. My late dad died at the age of 52 from a defective heart. My mom died at the age of 56. I lost my parents at a young age and she had lupus. And at the age of 40, I was told, go and get tested. The markers are there. Lupus is in my blood. And I found a way of living with it. I found a way of juicing, of reducing my acid levels. And yes, when I tell people that I've changed my lifestyle and people are like, how is this possible? So I'm not telling everybody, get off your medication. I'm not telling people, but I'm just saying both can work hand in hand. I have few people that are on dialysis at the moment. And I share my energy healing with them. And they find that their symptoms coming off dialysis, which most of the times is they have high blood pressure, they have the extreme running tummy, they have major cramps in their body, that the minute I do energy transfer on them, that they feel much more better. Those symptoms are not as severe as it should be. So I'm a firm believer in energy transfer. I'm a firm believer in crystal healing, in aura cleansing, in healing. I mean, uh, recently I've been doing cord cutting and one of the ladies said to me, I don't understand what is a cord cutting, but I, I want it, you know, like a badge, <laughs> like a designer thing. So I was, I was explaining it to her and now that she's done it, it's like all her friends are contacting me and like, we've got to have this. We've got to heal seven generations past. We've got to heal seven generations forward. We've got to have this. And I think we're getting to a stage where more and more people are open and susceptible to understand that there is such a thing as energy healing. I mean, the simple thing, and I always tell it to all my executives that I do executive leadership training for, the best thing you can do when you get home, if you don't have it, go and plant it. Have a patch of grass. Take off your shoes. Take off your socks and ground yourself. Put your feet in that grass. Let it go between your toes. Just breathe in and breathe out and feel how good you feel. It takes away that meanness, the stress, the frustrations. They become better leaders. I do a lot of breathing techniques for our executives. I teach them how to calm themselves down. There's so many techniques and whatever suits you, good for you. I do Qigong therapy. Um, many people can't understand that I can do with four hours sleep a day. It's because I literally regenerate through Qigong. And it works for me, right? But I've got somebody else and she says, you know what? I do quantum healing 
and everybody's got but find what works with you yes you can try it the first time some people don't get no feeling some people find it exhilarating as if they've been on a holiday for a month find what suits you but energy healing is something that is vital for every single one of us whether you get some sun salutation whether you just do breathing techniques whether you just go and hug a tree whether you just stick your feet in some salted water where you're saying let this negativity flow out of me because those trapped energies hold back on your meridians and when they don't flow that causes blockages in your chi and when that energy doesn't flow it causes disease in your body and when that disease comes about it brings on sicknesses so if you start on a daily basis of flushing out those toxins the negativity the tired neurons in your body and you just start healing the dna levels of traumas within those cells you start setting yourself free from all those sicknesses that are going to be building up. I see we've done a full circle because we started with limiting beliefs <laughs> and then we and then we came to the the holistic view and I'm sure what I'm learning from you is that we must identify our limiting beliefs and then ask ourselves do I think there's only one way to get out of this? Or do I think I need that specific outcome? And what you model is that you, you follow many different paths and learn many, many different things. So you broaden your mind all the time. And the word you said, open, you open up all the time. And that brings you to new answers by, as you say, experimenting. I think most important is on a daily basis I practice the five modalities for myself. I must do a mind feed. Whether it's I'm teaching myself a new language, whether I'm teaching myself a new energy healing, whether I'm teaching myself something, but I mind feed daily. I want to learn something that's going to enhance my life, that's going to make somebody else's lives better, even if it's just learning how to cook something better, making healthier food uh that I'm going to cook for my son and myself, uh, different ways of juicing. Um, recently, I've been into oil pulling for my teeth, right? So I learn every single day, and I love sharing those with the people that are in my group and to my life. Um, one of the ladies I asked her the other day, I love Himalayan salts, and she said, did you know that you can do a Himalayan flush with water? And I was like, no, I didn't. And she showed me how, and I was like, oh, my God, I feel so good because I've never known that you could do something. So... I mind feed is important, but the, exactly the same time that I give myself a mind feed every day that I learn, I do a spiritual feed as well. I feed my spirit. I feed it with either meditation for the day, affirmations, loving music, dance. So there's different ways you can feed your spirit. I do my body feed that I do either some stretch. I'm very lazy, to be honest with you. I'm not really an exercise person. But I put on music and I'll dance, or I'll just do some yoga moves. I'll do a Pilates, few little stretches. I'm not very much. I don't even lie. I'm not even going to go more than 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. But I make sure that I do something for my body because it needs it. Hopefully with the intention that it can add some more time. But I do it daily. Whether I'm just sitting on the floor and I'm doing some stretches with breathing, whether I'm standing up and I'm raising my hands up to the sky, I'm going to do something every day for my body. So mind, spirit body and soul is so important that we feed it daily i don't want to wake up in the morning and, and and the best way let me just tell you the best way is to think of ourselves as a dustbin you know every day we throw in banana peels we throw in apples we throw in potato peels tomato peels if you don't empty out that dustbin it ferments it rots, it smells. And even to clean that dustbin eventually, you're not even going to want to clean it, you're going to throw it away. And with our bodies, we don't have that option. If you don't start cleaning it out, your mind as well. Start looking at what are you talking to yourself negatively about. When you're looking in the mirror, you're saying, oh my God, I've had amazing, look at my beautiful skin, look at my stunning eyes. I mean, yourself, what did you do this morning? What did you thank yourself for your beauty this morning? Did you see what a stunning smile you have? Did you just look at the shape of your stunning nose? Did you tell yourself how beautiful you are? Because we're so busy that society, social media has shown us just to be negative. But 
I'm looking in the mirror every morning. I tell myself what I love about myself. I love my voice because I know that my voice is going to reach thousands of people through the platforms that I'm on. I love my energy because I know wherever I'm going to go, I take my A game. I want to make people feel good. I want to pump them up to make them feel that there's nothing better in life than just the life that we have. I want to do good with my life. So I thank God for every day for the for my looks, for who I am, whether it's my flappy tummy. I thank God. I'm like, I love you, flappy tummy. I love my thick thighs. I love my hair. So I tell myself I love everything about myself. And those things are important because when you start cleaning that dustbin up, look at your body as a dustbin. The mind is clogged with, my ex did this, my ex told me that, and the neighbor threw a tomato in my yard. Oh, my God, just let it go. Just let it go. It's not worth keeping in your mind. Just release it. I don't care. Tell yourself, I don't care. If she threw that tomato over my wall, maybe she's happy. If she's happy today and it took out some stress of us, I'll pick up that tomato and throw it in my garden. I'll have a whole bunch of tomatoes growing tomorrow. If somebody told you that you're fat and you're ugly, tell yourself, you know what? I'm so sad that she's feeling that internal dialogue within herself and she's portraying it on me. I'll let it go. I wish her love and light. I don't care what she says. You know, they say a vulgarity. Somebody swears at you or a negative. It's a gift. You have a choice whether you want to accept it or not. So if somebody told you you're fat this morning and you know you're looking amazing, you turn it around and you say to yourself that, you know what, I'm super gorgeously sexy. I have all these curves. You don't need to take what they said to you as poison. You can turn it around and say, this is my gift. Somebody noticed me. Somebody's seen me. Somebody's hurting and decided to voice it. Because we, we are what we say. We're like, if I'm not feeling good, I'm just going to be mean and ugly and nasty. I mean, I walk into the malls and people ask me, are you on drugs, girl? What the hell do you take? Because I have so much of energy. I greet people. You don't get people that greet in the malls, is it? I'm like, good morning. How are you? Hi, you look so lovely. And people are like, huh? What? I walk into a mall and somebody's got something in their hand. I'm like, oh my word, that would really suit you. And I genuinely mean it. Because I'm feeling good. I want somebody else to feel just that good. And the more you start practicing that, you'll see you attract it. People just automatically smile at you. They laugh. They just start chatting you up. And I love it. My sons always say to me, oh, mom, wherever we go, we have people that just start chatting to you. Because that's who I am. I'm not going to wait for somebody to chat to me. I don't know what their day is all about. So those are quite important for me is like not everything you know they say take everything with a pinch of salt just put a pinch of salt on it just cleanse it out and say let it be gone let it be gone you know it's the same way like if you see a spider in your home he's not supposed to be here i'm scared of him as a spider get him onto a little dish whatever i use a dish for my spiders i'm very scared and tell him get back out in the garden so the same way in your mind when those little spiders creep in and you know they're not there you know that it's going to start embedding fears and fears is bad right it's going to embed the fears inside of you it's going to make you feel miserable or toxic towards somebody else let it go it's not your monkey not your circus just tell yourself i don't care about those things there's so much more to life than worrying about who did what who's driving what who's wearing what Who's married to whom? Who's, ah, I don't care. I don't really care. Gossip in me, I don't care. You know, so those are quite important for me. Thank you, Roxana. Where can listeners find out more about your work? At the moment, you can contact me on, uh, my website is actually being uh, opened shortly. So it'll be www.roxanamoden.com. Uh, or you can, I've got a WhatsApp group, so you can contact me via WhatsApp on my 083-368-6339 or my email, which is roxanamoden at myisp.co.za. Thank you. You've given us so many tips. Do you still have more? <laughs> tips? I'll give you one when we're ending, right? Um, for me, my motto, and if you see it um, on my Facebook and all my social handles, my motto, and I say it continuously, is love, love, laugh, learn, and let go. So love every day as today is your last. Love every day as if you are just the most gorgeous, most amazing human being on this earth. Laugh as much as you can because you know what? Life is made up of so much of silly, stupid little things. Just find reasons to laugh. Learn every single day, whether it's for your mind something good, whether it's for your body to make it healthier, whether it's just for you to be a better human being. 
and let go of what doesn't serve you. If it's not meant for you, let it go. If it's something that's not going to be making you laugh, making you a happy person, making you a healthy person, just let it go. Thank you. And before I let you go, can I ask you a fun question? Yes, please go for it. Now, I've read that you have a weakness for shoes. <laughs> oh, yes, I do. Oh, okay. yes, I do. So we're going to a fantasy world. And I was wondering if you were a pair of shoes, if you can think of a pair of shoes that would represent you, what would they look like? They would be the most gorgeous, gorgeous wedge heel, high platform ones with lots and lots of tinsels all over it. I'm a black, I like bling bling. You can see my top. So it will have all this gaudy colors of every color on it, silver, black, red, blue, and it'll just be this most gorgeous strappy sandal on my foot. I'm that sandal. Thank you. And thank you, <laughs> thank you for putting the shine into life for me because, yeah, you really inspired me. And it's not just talk. You know, you embody what you, what you are saying with you and your energy shines. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. I'm truly grateful for being here. And I think you're doing such an amazing job with this podcast. I love it. So thank you so much. Thank you, Roxana. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. I'd really appreciate it if you'd rate Calm, Clear and Helpful where you download your podcasts. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in improving your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, marietsneeman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mark Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.